0: You're listening to Bird Means Business, episode 27. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bird Means Business podcast. I am so happy that you are here. Today, we are talking money. And we've kind of had a theme with money this month in May. We've talked about bookkeeping and payroll and taxes. And if I'm honest, I don't know, money like excites me. And that can, I guess, sound really bad or maybe it's not supposed to be bad. But for some reason, it feels bad to me to say I get excited by money and not just having money and what you can do with it, but really how you can make it grow and how you can get really strategic around it helping you reach your ultimate goals in life. And I've really always had like a fascination with money. My mom says as a kid, my grandmother gave me this like old school coin purse and I was obsessed. I carried it around with me everywhere, put all my little coins in there. I'm thinking actually of a story where I would give my younger sister a penny and I would tell her the penny was better because it was bigger than the dime you know, and so I would take all the dimes, I'd give her all the pennies. I mean, that's just terrible. Gosh, I hope it didn't (laughs) like, yeah, character issue as a kid. But I mean, I was always obsessed with like just ways to make money. I would have my friends, parents like pay $5 for our little performance we would have after our sleepover when they came to like pick up their daughter, like, hey, before you leave, we have a performance where you have to pay five bucks to watch our rendition of Whitney Houston's whatever, you know? I had like a jewelry company as a kid, you know, I make all this jewelry and then sell it, like force people to buy it from me, like my aunts and stuff and always like selling baked goods after church. It was just something that was kind of in me. And there was always this interest with money and business. So as you can imagine, when it came time for me to hire a financial planner, I was so excited and I knew it would be a financial investment, but it was one I was so excited to make because up to this point, I had like basic budget. We had finally started budgeting my husband and I, but I knew I needed more. Like I didn't know how much I needed to put aside every month for my kids' college. I didn't know how much I needed to put aside for retirement, which is especially important when you own a business because you don't have a company that's you know providing a 401k. you are the company that's supposed to be providing some kind of retirement benefit for yourself or at least thinking about it. And then there, I knew that there were so many different tax strategies and, you know, different things that I just did not know. And I wanted to have a professional with experience to really guide me through that process. And that is who Helen Noh is to me. She is me and Terry's personal financial planner. And oh my goodness, I could not have imagined, what was it, I think three years ago when we connected and we started working together, that we'd even have the relationship we have today. She's truly one of the smartest people I know, and she's also just really generous with her time and effort. Like she goes over and above, and I'm just really honored to have her here on the pod today. So first I'll start off by just giving you some background on Helen. So she is a certified financial planner, and she's also the CEO and founder of Capital Benchmark Partners. With over a decade of experience in investment management and running her own financial planning firm, Helen has unlocked the key to financial freedom that most people get wrong. As an expert in personal finance and helping women create more wealth for themselves, she's often sought after to speak at women's leadership conferences, universities, and Fortune 500 companies. Her insights have been featured internationally in well-known publications such as CNBC, Forbes, NerdWallet, CBS Money, and Investor's Business Daily. In October of last year, 2019, She was featured in Atlanta's Best Self Magazine as one of the 10 women entrepreneurs who successfully built their businesses from the ground up. Yes, I love that. What a boss bio. Like I said, you are in for a treat. She even has a free resource that you'll hear more about that you can go and download and get started with really securing financial freedom for you and for your business and your life. Okay. So let's just go ahead and jump right into the interview. Ellen, I'm so, so, so excited to have you on the pod today. I know that so many will glean a lot from what you have to share. You are one of the smartest people I know. <laughs> and I'm just really happy to and honored to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Sweet so yeah, you. I
0: know it's kind of crazy how we met. I listened to the Brown Ambition podcast, and mm-hmm. one of the hosts, Mandy, talked about her personal financial planner. And Never said your name. It was, she just shared how she found you, and I went through the same route.
1: I ended up finding the same person.
0: (laughs) And that was what, three years ago,
1: two years ago? You were like eight months pregnant with your son. Yes.
0: Yes. So
1: in Houston, I I, remember when you walked in, and I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Very pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. When when you walked in. Yeah. Yeah. You were very pregnant. So I think I would assess how long we've known each other based on when your kid is born. Yeah. Second one. Yep, he's about to be so. <laughs> yeah. That makes
0: a lot of sense. Well, I want you to kind of share the story of your entrepreneurial journey, like where you started and kind of how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I've always been interested in personal finance. It really started back in college when I thought I was going to be a dentist. That was the initial plan was for me to be a dentist and really I wanted to be a dentist because versus a doctor. Mm-hmm. One, I grew up in an Asian household. You only had two choices. <laughs> You'd either become a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> There's no other career <laughs> that they revere. And so when I took all of those science classes, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, I would never make it. Like this is horrible. This is so boring to me. Mm -hmm. And so I went on this path and I took a lot of different personality tests. And that's how I got into like I knew I was really good at math. So then I declared my major. And you know, I went through some trouble telling my parents, figuring that I was going to be disappointing them that I didn't want to be a dentist anymore. But really I wanted to be a dentist because I wanted to own a business. Even from then I knew because My mom was an entrepreneur. She owned a nail salon for 12 years and was running it successfully. And I started to look and thought about like, okay, I want to be just like my mom. I can't believe I'm saying that now because back then I I I was a teenager (laughs) in my early 20s in terms of like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like my mom. She works Mm -hmm. too much. And now here I am working 12, 14 hour days, even on the weekends. But anyway, so I got into to personal finance because I was like, okay, how do I make money? How does the stock market work? You know, once I graduate, what do I do with my money? And then I found out that you can actually make money by giving other people personal financial advice too. And so that's how I looked into that career. That's how I found out about being a stockbroker. And so I thought that was the only track to get on, you know. And then I also considered my parents' situation too. As immigrants, we, they came over, my dad had a 401k. And then when 08 hit, he pulled everything out because he thought, oh, well, I don't want to lose any more of my money. And they didn't really understand it at the time. But, you know, just being able to help my parents out, like there's no such thing as financial planning or hiring a financial consultant in vietnam Mm. which is where i came from Mm -hmm. you know in our household it's like cash is king you hoard as much as possible Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's it there's no such thing as retirement you just work until basically you die and hope that your kids will take care of you that's like the typical asian household financial plan with the older generation obviously so that was really the driver of why i got into personal finance was to be able to help my parents out on a personal level, but also, you know, I want to educate myself and how can I make it into a career of educating others with their personal money and planning so they can become wealthy and be stable, unlike my parents, where Mm -hmm. my siblings and I are having to step in to take care of them financially, you know? So I take it very personally. So that's really my backdrop. So I started out as a stockbroker. I did that for Five or six years, and then I decided to open up my own independent financial planning practice in 2013. Okay. Because I wanted to work with more women. Mm. In our industry, there's only like 10% women who are financial planners, and there's like even fewer minority women. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that there's an advantage there to work with and specialize with that group, especially for those who are like also solo entrepreneurs as well. So that's yeah. how I got to where I am today. And I wanted uh, more autonomy. I wanted to control who I worked with. So I love what
0: you brought up about your mom being an entrepreneur. How do you think that's kind of shaped you? I know you shared that, you know, it was tough growing up because she was always working and then now kind of here you are. I asked because, well, I'm an entrepreneur and I have kids <laughs> and I'm always really conscious about them seeing me on my laptop all the time. Yeah. Even now, you know, reporting, they had to leave to go to the park with their dad and, just making sure that there's some balance there but but also I think a lot of it had kind of inspired you to work hard and taught you the value of that and what it meant to build something so what would you say around that
1: you know I resented her working so much until I became an adult and worked myself and saw the value in what money can afford looking back you know again we came to America with nothing we used to live on food stamps the very first few years of our lives we went from living in a two bedroom one bath house about 800 square feet, the five of us, me and my two siblings and my mom and dad, to living in a much larger home where they were able to afford private school for me, bought three new cars for each of us. So my sister got a new car when she went to college, I got a new car when I turned 16, and they afforded my brother a new car. So just looking back and seeing how we came from zero to her and my father being able to provide for us all, yeah. It all came from her tenacity of coming home at 10 o'clock every day for 12 years to provide. I appreciate that now where she literally came from nothing in order to provide a livelihood for us. I don't know, you know, when I have, have my first child, even watching my nieces and nephews, I'm like, will they know the value? Like, will they know the history of what work is like and the value of putting in your time? To have what they even have, like they're growing up so differently than I am (laughs) or than I did, you know? So that's like one of the biggest lessons was like, I just watch, I'm like, oh my God, she missed a lot of my school activities and like my plays and stuff like that. And I resented her for so long. I was like, you know, you only buy me stuff and you never are there for me. And like those fun times that, you know, like all those major milestones, but it's because she was working to provide for five people. Yeah. That's hard.
0: So hard, wow, what strength! That's amazing.
1: So, now as a business owner myself, I really admire that. Yeah, looking back, so I have much more respect and gratitude for where we came from and how far she came in her own life and providing you know a livelihood for us here in the United States. Yes, that's an
0: incredible story, Helen. I love that. So, you work. With money, <laughs> people's money and you see a lot of different scenarios and situations, I imagine. Yeah. What is one of the biggest mistakes that you see when it comes to people managing their money, be it personal finances or business finances? What do you see is like are some common mistakes?
1: Common mistakes consistently. So usually people come to me thinking that they have a money problem, but they really have a habit or an organizational problem with Mm. the systems in which they manage their personal finances or their business finances. And I hear the statement often, Oh, I'm really bad with money or, Oh, I'm a bad spender. Not because you're a bad spender that there's no such thing as being bad with money. You just have bad habits Mm -hmm. and money happens to be part of the tool that you're misusing. Mm. Right? So that's not a money problem. You're not really broke. I work with all sorts of clients and I'll tell you, there are clients who are making like $600,000 and have nothing to show for it versus my client who's making $75,000 a year and their net worth is much higher than what wow. you know my six-figure income earners are doing. So to me, just because you make more money doesn't necessarily mean on the books you're any more successful than somebody else who's making 10 times less than you, right? Wow. So I have learned to appreciate and take everybody's, quote unquote, exterior success with a grain of salt. Because I always ask myself, okay, he's driving a Mercedes. I wonder how much he borrowed in order to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you know, and at the end of the day, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep. Mm-hmm. So even as a business owner... <laughs> if you're making a million dollars, but it costs you $900,000 to make a million dollars, well really you're making the same amount of money as the person who made 200,000 and spent a hundred grand. You net the same amount. So (laughs) that is like the back end and the advantage I have of seeing other people's finances. So I treat everybody the same.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I don't care how much money you make. Every single person that walks in, I treat them the exact same way because they all have that common problem of not realizing that it's not a money problem that they really have. It's one of the two or, or both is a systems problem. They're not operating their household efficiently, like setting up their accounts for automatic contributions to their savings account, or they set up the wrong account, or they're not communicating with their spouse or partner about money in a very open manner. And so Money is just going out all over the place, and they have no idea of where it's really being allocated, and they're not spending with intention behind every single dollar. Not only just budgeting, but just like, why am I spending $1,000 on groceries and really paying attention and auditing what it is that's driving that behavior versus focusing on, you know, oh, I know we spend $1,000 on groceries. I'm going to try to cut it out by a hundred. Okay. A hundred dollars worth of what though? Yeah. In your grocery bill. Is that your alcohol budget? Is that your fruits and vegetable budget? I mean, when we sit down with the clients, we do a complete audit of their spending and savings in tax planning. Cause that's part of the system too, that people forget is the tax planning part of things. So.
0: Right. And that is so key. And I mean, I remember when we sat down you know, a few years ago. It was exactly that. And when we launched our business, we honestly didn't budget or really track our finances in any way. And it was something I knew we should do. It was just, we didn't. And I honestly, there was a lie at that time. I had no job and Terry was leaving his job so we could launch this business. So I was thinking we don't have any money anyway, (laughs) we don't need a budget, you know? That was a lie. We should have at least (laughs) seen what was coming in and what was going out even, you know, because when we finally sat down to do a budget, we were spending like $900 a month eating out. And Helen, I tell you, Uh I about passed out. Like we had no idea. (laughs) Eating out even included like coffee in that, like basically anything other than groceries. And it was just so much coffee, so many like random Chick-fil-A this, and that changed the game for me. And ever since then, I've told people like, Just know what's coming in and going out and track it. Because once we were able to do that, we could cut it in half, just having the awareness that that was something that was even happening.
1: Yeah. I think the first step is awareness and coming to terms with your reality. I mean, most people, I ask them like, how much do you spend? And all they give me is their utility bills because those are fixed expenses. They don't track their behavioral spending Mm -hmm. that's costing them the most. Yep.
0: (laughs) And and it's the thing that you can actually affect because all the fixed expenses, you got to pay your utility bill, your mortgage, your rent, but you can change, you know, your eating out or your personal care or, you know, those types of things. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And in regards to starting a business, because you asked about that is like, when you start making money in your business, you have to stay on top of how you direct every single dollar and how you reinvest back into your business. So regardless if you want to or not, it's a necessity that you pay attention to your business revenue and how you allocate those dollars to, on top of your personal allocation of those dollars.
0: Yeah. I was actually going to ask about that when it comes to, and I kind of hesitate to ask this question because I don't want it to sure. be kind of an excuse for people to not start a business. But when it comes to launching a business, what do you think needs to be solid in your personal life first? And again, when we launched our business, we weren't even budgeting, you know, we didn't have an emergency <laughs> savings. We had credit card debt, you know, so it's not so much like checking the box before I can start. Cause I don't want people to, you know, convince themselves that they have to wait, but what would be like some solid tips if people are like, okay, I'm getting ready to launch this business, but I want to make sure that I'm personally secure. What does that look like?
1: You know, Ashley, I have a two part answer to that. Okay. One is not everybody should be an entrepreneur, mm. period. Mm. I think that it's over glamorized. They look at me, they look at you and they're like, wow, Helen can go on vacation. Wow, Ashley can control her own time. I want to be my own boss. But are you able to say no to yourself when you want to sleep an extra hour, but really you need to get up? Mm. That is hard. Are you able to give yourself permission to raise your rates and give yourself a raise? Are, do you have the tenacity and grit to do whatever it takes, legally, of course, to make money yeah. in order for your business to survive? I don't see anything wrong with working for a company or being number two or number three. Or if you are using money as a measure of your financial success or your success in general in your career, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to do that, mm. right? Some people are just better off getting their paycheck and being consistent because let me tell you, you're going to work harder than anybody else if you want to run your own business, period. I really don't believe in that whole four hour work week <laughs> right. thing. You know, like you got to put your time in and you have to understand what compromise is like. You can't live your nine to five life as a business owner, it doesn't translate over like that.
0: I love that you put that out because I wholeheartedly agree that there's an entrepreneurial mindset you have to have to be able to make it. And I have this checklist. It's like, ready, set, launch, the first 10 steps of launching your business. And that's number one. It's like, you have to get your mind right because you can have all the plans and your packages and pricing your website, but if you don't have, like you said, the tenacity and grit to push through those moments that are tough, to say no to friends cool, fun things that you'd love to do, but you have to do whatever you need to do in your business. Really, it's selflessness for several years, you know, as you grow your team and your business. If you're not willing to do that, then don't waste the resources and time and money and your energy to start something that you won't be able to really see through because it is really tough. So I 100% agree. Yeah.
1: I meet some quote unquote entrepreneurs and I'm like, you really shouldn't be owning a business. Period. like you are a terrible business owner you have no idea what you are doing you know like i got one question recently and you know now that working during covid and corona quarantine stuff i get questions like i haven't been generating any money can i apply for the ppp loan i'm like if you haven't applied you're not making any money what loan are they going to give you mm, yeah. <laughs> you don't have any proof of income you don't even understand like the basics of like owning a business and people think owning a business is just glamorous and you put your stuff on social media and you get to travel and have autonomy. You do have autonomy in terms of making decisions, Mm -hmm. but you got to be intelligent. You know, owning a business is about creating economic opportunity, not just for yourself, but for the people who you are serving Mm -hmm. and eventually be able to provide jobs for people too. And Mm -hmm. that requires making money. Like, do you understand that that you have to make money in order to survive? So I don't think everybody has that mindset of when they come in. Yeah. They just spend, spend, spend on technology or whatever else instead of worrying about the acquisition of clients. And it's not just about raising capital and venture money. That doesn't prove any cash flow. Right. right. That just proves that you're a good salesperson who sold an idea and somebody gave you money, but nobody's still buying your product at the yeah. end of the day. Absolutely.
0: So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, going into it, you're saying part one, your know, first step is making sure that this is something you're willing to work toward and right. it is actually a viable business. It's something that when you put the numbers, crunch the numbers, it could work.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My other number two is make sure your relationships are healthy before you start. I just looked back and reflect on like when I started my business, my husband now, he and I were just dating. And had I been in a horrible relationship and I just, you know, being in business for myself for the last seven years, I'm like, thank God I have somebody who's supportive Mm. during this entire journey. Because if I didn't, it would have made the experience so much worse. Yeah. Terry, your spouse—he's very supportive. He built yeah. you a home studio on your birthday.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, he's done so much. He is great with names. He's come up with the names for everything, and he's just super positive and encouraging. I mean, right now he has the boys. While I you know, while I'm doing this, and we have to do a lot of that tag teaming. I 100 right. that the relationships, and not even just like a spouse or partner, but. Even your friends. I know that whenever we launched the league, I had friends that were my friends from like literally kids, four years old, who just went MIA and they weren't supportive. They didn't come to the launch party. They were, you know, getting all this drama. And it was very strange and honestly, really tough because they were my friends my whole life. And I started to like, why wouldn't you want to support me? I've supported you. And it took years to kind of get over that. But basically what I realized was that not everyone is in your life forever. There's some people are in your life for seasons and some people can't go to the next level, your your next level. And you have to be okay with that. And it doesn't have to mean that you have to resent them or have beef because I'm not about that, but it means that you have to say, okay, well, that was great. That was a beautiful season, a beautiful friendship, but like, they're not going to be able to go with me to the next level. So relationships are huge.
1: Oh, huge. Like, you know, my friends who are working in corporate, they couldn't understand my new lifestyle. You know, they were doubting me. Wow. What are you doing? Even my parents, my mom's like, you left your 401k and health insurance and (laughs) your comfortable salary back to start from zero and you're moving back in with us. Are you crazy? (laughs) I mean, that those are like crucial conversations and relationships that's what I'm talking about. Like not everybody is made out to be an entrepreneur. If you can't get through those conversations, it's hard because you are going to feel lonely and then you're going to start doubting yourself. So having good, healthy, personal relationships, as well as professional ones who push you to that next level and make you feel as though you can sustain and be in business for yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are the people you should be surrounding yourself with from the get go.
0: Gosh, I cannot agree more. That's so so important. Such a good thing to bring up. <laughs> you already have imposter syndrome as a okay. you know entrepreneur, so you don't need people telling you what. Are you sure you can do that? I don't know. Yeah. You might just need to go back to you know because you're already having to deal with it. So yeah, who you surround yourself <laughs> with is so key. When you go back and you think about like Helen in 2013 when you were doing all of this, what is like the one piece of advice? that you would give yourself? Like if you knew then what you know now, what would be the one thing you would tell yourself kind of going into launching your business, moving from corporate, all of that?
1: I wish I had done more online marketing back then. Hmm. I'll tell you how I built my business. I used to cold call. Wow, (laughs) it's amazing. I I dialed 300 numbers a day and I tried to get at least 10 appointments and close out the day. I didn't have any money to count. So, all I could do is count how many people I talked to in a day. Right. So, I, I did that for about a year and a half. I built my business that way. And I also cold walked, meaning I took my business card, I made some flyers and brochures, and I went door to door, literally knocking, trying to evangelize my financial <laughs> message to everybody. <laughs> Not to use a, oh, that's like the best analogy I can that's use. Like a- Like just spreading my own religion, financial religion. (laughs) And that's how I built my business the first year and a half to two years. Wow. And I really wish looking back, I wish I had taken advantage of YouTube back then before it blew up to today. I wish I had taken advantage of Facebook Mm -hmm. back then and blogging too, which is a huge thing for SEO purposes. You know, I really didn't start online marketing until about maybe four years ago and I can see the seeds of it. So it's more obvious nowadays because it's, you know, everybody's online now and doing business online, but that is the one piece I wish I had honed in on the most in terms of taking advantage of those opportunities. Yeah.
0: I think that's a great takeaway for people. Something that it's so prevalent now, but really investing there and it's free, which is awesome. A lot of it, you know, like with yeah. the league, it was a brick and mortar. So we didn't do much like online marketing in terms of like ads or even like an email marketing campaign. We just, you know, yeah. people would come experience and it was mostly word of mouth, but social media was huge. Instagram is probably the second most like referral, you know, or ways people would get into our business. So it wasn't until I launched Bird Williams Consulting that I even started really looking into online marketing and it's super powerful. So, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you have an online business, it's something that you should definitely, you know, <laughs> focus on. It's crucial. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to understand a little bit about how you help entrepreneurs navigate their personal and business financials like while they're running a business with what you do.
1: Yeah, so we specialize in retirement planning and investment management, so On the business side of things, we coordinate a lot with our client CPAs to set up retirement plans for them. And a lot of people don't understand that we help them open up their 401ks, but first we do the personal planning side for the business owner Mm -hmm. and determining, okay, you need to put away X dollar amount. but we're going to take advantage of you owning a business and create a retirement plan for your business. So you get the tax deduction and save for your personal retirement at the same time. Yeah. while having you know some golden handcuffs in place if you have employees to retain them. That's a very technical explanation, but that basically where we come in and what we do for our small business clients is really helping them bridge. Because I don't view financial planning, especially if you're a business owner, as two separate things. Your personal mm-hmm. feeds into your business and yep. vice versa. Mm-hmm. So what can we set up in both in your business that will benefit you personally as well. So if you want to save for retirement, that's like a huge one that we address is you know, setting up the appropriate retirement accounts for tax planning purposes and for business expenses. But also, you know, would you rather put away $1,000 a month into your business's retirement account or give it to Uncle Sam or mm-hmm. the IRS, I should say?
0: Yeah, and that was you know, my favorite part of working with you and still working with you is that like, when I came to you, I could figure out, okay, how to pay off my debt, like snowball or avalanche, that whole thing. You know, I could figure out like, you know, I need to be putting something aside for savings, but you were so much more strategic with like, this is the exact number you need to transfer into this account <laughs> for your kid's college. Like, like, you did the calculation to know what we would need in the future. And then, okay, this is how much you have put away every month for that. This is how much you have to put away every month for your emergency savings and for your retirement and again, as business owners, you gotta forget about the fact that you don't have a, <laughs> a retirement like you can't just be That's out here. we didn't have anything going on, and we needed to be thoughtful around making sure that our future selves will thank us for what we're doing now in terms of being diligent and saving so that there is something there <laughs> and the, yeah. I love the process of working with you. It was super detailed and thorough. it wasn't just you know you throwing stuff at
1: us so Yeah. It's not just about budgeting. I mean, anybody can do budgeting. Mm -hmm. It's more about you have these tools and resources. How do we take advantage of it? And you just mentioned something very crucial there is like, you know, yes, I think a lot of your audience is like new business owners or they're five, four years Mm -hmm. into it. I think about now, the longer I work for myself about building a legacy, How do I utilize my business to create longer term wealth for myself and my family? Yes. And for the next generation too, right? Mm -hmm. And part of that is being able to use tools such as retirement accounts to leverage in order to build that for yourself and for your teammates too. Yes, absolutely. That's amazing.
0: Fun. You're awesome. Like, seriously. (laughs) You want to talk a little bit about the freebies that we have linked in the show notes?
1: Sure, sure. So I create every single year a new financial calendar and checklist. Mm. So every single month I lay out who you need to talk to and what you need to check in with yourself personally um, regards to your personal finances. And then I list out all of the tax deadlines and for personal and business on there and all the different financial planning topics you need to address throughout the year. So it's just a two page document. So yeah, it's very useful and you can print it out and put it on your fridge or it's PDF format. So you just go to my website and download it for free.
0: Awesome. That's amazing. So I want to do this fun lightning round where I'll just ask just a few questions and it's just quick. It's simple questions. So yeah, we'll get started. Okay. Okay. Phone call or text? Phone call. Okay. Favorite season of the year?
1: Ooh, Fall.
0: Oh, mine too. (laughs) Big party or small gathering? Big party. Oh, nice. (laughs) What about your dream vacation spot?
1: Oh, I love hiking. So I would go back to Alberta, Canada.
0: Ooh. You know, recently we went to Sedona and it was May.
1: Yes.
0: So beautiful. (laughs) And last one, I think I might know the answer. Ocean or mountain?
1: Mountains. (laughs) Yep. Awesome. (laughs) How did you know? Well, I just kind of gave you a hint. He said, hiking. <laughs> I didn't know you liked
0: hiking. Terry, oh gosh, we should take a couple's trip because he's all about it. We went to Sedona. I mean, my body was, I had never hiked that much. It was a lot of fun. That was super
1: beautiful. If you love hiking, you should definitely go to Canada on the <laughs> West side, like near Vancouver and Whistler and all that. Oh my God, it is magnificent.
0: He's been out there. Vancouver is like his favorite city in the world. So we'll definitely have to check it out. I will have to check it
1: out. Yeah, you should definitely go.
0: Okay, so this is the question that I ask every single guest that I have on the podcast mm-hmm. and it's just what is the one thing that you can do this week to bring you closer to the best version of yourself? And I ask that because I'm all about keeping things as practical as possible. You know, we talk about these kind of high-level goals that we have, you know, in our personal or business life, and I just want folks to hear from you, someone who they may aspire to be, it's just like what does it look like practically? Something that you do you're going to do this week to bring you closer to like one of those future goals or like the best version of yourself?
1: This is what I did last year when I started to get really stressed was I audited my list of clientele Hmm. and I let go of almost a dozen clients. Wow. But what I would recommend you do today (laughs) is look through your book of business and rate them, not just from, okay, they might be a good revenue generating client, but they're a pain in the butt to work with. Mm -hmm. They are life sucking versus life giving. And so I did it in a very quantitative manner of like, what is my quality of life? Like, am I excited to pick up the phone every time I need to call this person or every time their email comes through, do I shake and I'm like, Oh my God, I put it in my reply later inbox. Mm -hmm. Or am I excited to call them immediately? And that's what I did last year. I just went through my entire list. I didn't complete audit how much we made from them, whether or not they are life-giving or (laughs) life-sucking.
0: Like Marie Kondo, your client list, basically. Yes,
1: Marie Kondo, your client (laughs) list. And let me tell you, after I did it, I wrote a letter, you know, and we graduated them. <laughs> mm. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, we graduated those clients. We still left the door open, but we graduated them because there was really we were not servicing them in the capacity that I think we should have and it was just taking away from my work, like the quality of my work, how I showed up to work. Mm-hmm. Cuz I was always afraid, oh my god, I have this meeting today. I don't want to talk to this person. Been- I'm sure you've had that. <laughs> I've- <laughs> I think funny. we all have. Yeah,
0: one of my early clients, when I, we sat down, that was one of the first things that we kind of discovered was like, he had to let go of some clients and it was hard and it took a while, but it was the right thing. So that yeah. is wonderful advice. <laughs> so glad that you brought that up. Super duper practical too.
1: Yeah. So awesome. just make a list, rank them from one to 10 in each category from a quantitative and qualitative standpoint. And let them go if they don't meet your average that you're trying to hit. I love it.
0: I love that you made it (laughs) too. Of course you did, math major. Of course. Of course you have to. (laughs) Well, this was so great. Thank you, Helen. You are just such a gem. And I'm so, so, so honored and happy to have had you on the Bird Means Business Podcast. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: Oh, one more question. How can people connect with you online? What is the best way that they can connect with you and learn more and engage with you?
1: Sure, you can follow me on Instagram at Meet Helen No. My last name is spelled N G O. I think Ashley, you're, you're going to include that in the link yep. or show notes. But you can go to my financial planning website, capitalbenchmarkpartners.com, and all of my materials are on there. We have a pretty active blog on there, you know, broken down into different sections. Check it out and get my free checklist and that financial calendar for the year while you're there. Yes.
0: So. Amazing, <laughs> love it. Thank you so much, Helen. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Ashley. Helen kept it all the way real. You know what? It's really one of my favorite things about her. She is straight to the point and all about results. She's like, we ain't got time for all the fluff. Let me tell you what it's really like. Y'all, there are so many gems in this episode. There's some real hard truths for entrepreneurs, but I promise you will be more equipped if you know what to expect going into it and how to really prepare yourself as you navigate this journey. So I hope you took some really, really good notes. Make sure that you click on the link in the show notes to download her free financial checklist and calendar. Y'all, this is a great first step to like really taking control of your finances. And like she said, it's not that you're bad with money, perhaps, it's just that you don't have a system around it. And y'all know, I always say your systems will save you again, if you're looking for a financial planner, look no further. Helen is your girl. She's super professional and her and her team are so knowledgeable and just great to work with. Alrighty, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for following us on Spotify, for subscribing on Apple Podcasts so that you don't miss any episodes, and also for telling your entrepreneur friends about Bird Means Business. Talk to you next week. Hey, Terry, are you ready for Terry's Take? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you excited? Mm hmm. Alrighty. What did you think about the episode with Helen today where we talked about money?
2: Money, 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 money in my back. Money, money, money in my hand. Money. Okay, that's a new song. And that's what Jack Harmon did, and all those, and then, yeah.
0: It's that's, pretty fun. That's pretty fun, yeah, it's your money song. Well, do you feel like now after hearing Helen share so much wisdom that you feel more equipped as you look through like the personal finances and your business finances?
2: Yeah, and that's pretty cool too. And I love that, Lucina, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool to really have, like, yeah, a firm that was grounding. Yeah,
2: first day. i um, going to Nunez House, and for today, we're going to Nunez so maybe we can nurse people like this, but maybe we should actually do this, but I think somebody will do this every single day, and I will. Yeah,
0: I hope that people do it every single day, think about their finances, have their money minute, like, really prepare themselves to be strong in that way, right?
2: Yeah, because you accidentally dunk some rocks in the alligator's mouth, and you don't like it, and you throw up, so maybe you will throw up.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe the alligator will throw up if you put rocks in its mouth. Alrighty. Well, sounds good. Do you want to say bye to everybody?
2: Bye,
1: everybody. Have a good day. Have a good day. Alrighty.